Shut up and sit down. Hello, everybody. I welcome you to episode 47 of Third Shift. Hello, it's me, Eric. <laughs> and as always, today on our wonderful show, with me is our other host, Mr. Matt. And Mr. Matt, as we always do, let's start off with, how the hell was your week? It was a pretty good week, especially because I took a nice three days off, so I had a big five-day weekend from work. Went back last night, and oh man, it was just the worst thing that it could ever be, as usual. So that was fantastic. They haven't gotten a lot of gaming in during this week. Played around with some Battleborn, had some matches with a bunch of founders who were just really terrible. Leavers and quitters and not following the rules. Oh, man, it was just brutal. So I'm kind of hoping those guys fall off before all the new kids come in and they, you know, ruin their lives. Played a little Overwatch over the weekend, double XP weekend. Why not do that? Outside of video gaming, went and saw Wonder Woman. That was a pretty good show. I don't talk about wrestling a lot on this show, but this weekend was New Japan's Dominion show from Osaka Joe Hall and Kenny Omega versus Okada. The rematch is literally the best wrestling match I have ever seen in my entire life. So if anybody has ever liked pro wrestling and ever had any interest in it, definitely recommend going and checking that out if you can find it on Daily Motion or YouTube or something. Fantastic match. The whole card was unbelievable, but that was just the, the capstone on this whole amazing card. Unbelievable match. And then, I think it was Tuesday this week, the Classic Car Museum that's about an hour away from where I live had a little like Model T driver's ed class. So you got to hop in a car that's like 100 years old, drive it up and down the campus all around. It was pretty cool. A lot of fun. And I figure, you know, this way, when I go full-time cop and go back in time 100 years to invest money and become rich in the present, mm -hmm. this way Jean-Claude Van Damme's not going to find me. He's going to be like, oh, he will not know how to drive Model T. I will find him really easy, and apparently I'm Russian now. Ha, ha, ha. I was going to say, I think you messed uh, his voice up, but that's all right. <laughs> I, I had the perfect, like, Frenchy accent going before, and now I screwed it up, and now he's way too French, and he was Russian before. So I'm going to be driving around a Model T like nobody's business. He's not going to be able to find me and kick me out a window. <laughs> Screw you, Jean-Claude. Van Dam, And he's still sharp with them kicks, man. Oh, I know. Ooh, he's got a new TV series going, and I've been watching a little bit of it. And boy, he still can kick you through a damn door. <laughs> Except he won't find me to kick me this time. That's Not right, 100 years ago. driving that Model T. <laughs> oh, yeah. So what about you, dude? How was your week? Well, real life, uh, my brother's wife's visiting, so we've been you know, tied up doing that a little bit. Beyond that, work, you know, nothing exciting. Mm -hmm. But in video game world, we played Battleborn, got a little Overwatch in. And I'll say, in the Battleborn world, like you were saying, been encountering several founders that uh, seem to be a little crazy. Mm -hmm. So you know, I'm like, what in the hell is going on with that? And then secondly, man, they when they nerfed Alani, I can feel it. <laughs> Whew. God bless. But uh, beyond that, not too much. All right. And, of course, this week we didn't have a Talented Tuesday because we had IG2G episode number eight. That was a fun show. Probably the smoothest recording session we've had on IG2G so far. Oh, yeah, for sure. So fun episode there. Check that out if you haven't yet. And all of us totally forgot Hunter's Talented Tuesday challenge. I remembered it, like, late on Tuesday, and I was like, oh, man, <laughs> nobody's going to be awake or have enough time to do anything. So maybe we'll do that this coming up week. How about that? Oh, i got to write it down so I don't forget. <laughs> yeah. i put my phone. I was going to say, what I'll do is I'll post mine in the in the group Facebook, and then everyone will go, oh, crap, I totally forgot. Oh, here you go anyway. Sorry, Hunter. We'll maybe get on that this week, hopefully. Also this week, we got shift codes for Golden Keys in Borderlands 2. Hit up the forums, hit up the Twitter, hit up your preferred shift code provider, and go get yourself some free loot. So bringing it on back just a little bit before we move on to E3 and whatnot. I wanted to talk a little bit. I don't know if you got to play any of the characters that were adjusted with this last patch, but as I said, I was doing Alani quite a bit, mm -hmm. and I want to get some feedback. I'm hoping you know everybody who listens who plays Alani quite a bit can let me know their experiences with this, but it's been rough. It's to the point where I think I'm probably going to drop her. Oh, really? Yeah, I've already said that I wanted to go earnest for this next you know season or whatever, year two, you know whatever you want to call it, because mm -hmm. I just want to get into a nice, cool support you know, character and you know do damage in the back, back lanes without worrying about too much. I was going to say, not have to have that pressure of, oh, I need to be the healer. 
her, mm-hmm. especially when she's got toned down so much. And that's just it. With her being toned down the way she is, you know, I was already just keeping up as it was. You know, I'm not like, oh my god, I'm I'm the best lady in the world, woohoo! Right. But I was able to do a pretty good job. But now I'm just like struggling to keep up, struggling, mm-hmm. and I'm starting to find that I can only pick and choose one or two people. I'm not able to keep everybody up. Yeah. It's just not happening. I'm not able to hit enough enemies to get enough heals on the next character to keep things rotating. I was having trouble with that. wasn't enjoying it too much. So I was like, well, you know, I've already talked about having Ernest be my main for this season. I think I'm going to go ahead and retire Alani and pick up Ernest full. And then, of course, Phoebe's my side chick always and forever. So, <laughs> Well, I was going to say, you can retire Alani in PvP. But if we're if we're still duo oh, and some in story PvE, ops, then, of course, yeah. no problem. I mean, that's a whole other story and situation. But for PvP purposes, yeah, no, I don't. I don't think I'm gonna roll with her too much anymore, unless you know something changes, or maybe some uh, listeners will have some feedback that's extremely helpful, and you know I can try it out. And maybe I'm just stupid. Maybe there's a way around these nerfs and makes it still pretty damn cool and fun. I'm sure there is a way around it, but I think I've played one or two matches as Alani since all of her nerfs. But they were also matches where. I was on a team with three founders and a rando, and two of the founders were in a team. As soon as they died once, they just left the match. So I was always 1v2 or 1v3, impossible to keep myself alive. So I could speak to it a little bit in that, you know, my self-heal with three osmosis stacks was not enough to even get me out of range of the people who were incessantly murdering me. But at the same time, I shouldn't have had three people on me all game. Thanks, Founders. Mm-hmm. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thanks, fellow team. And while you're speaking to that, I had the same situation. I was playing with several individuals in many of these different maps that had the Founder insignia on. And this doesn't mean they're actually pro players. It doesn't mean they're great or anything. Right, obviously. But, uh, you know, you always hope for at least a certain amount of knowledge going in with uh, anybody who's wearing the Founders insignia anymore. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, it's just, I feel like some of these people are completely lost in the sauce. So, yeah. I mean, on the good end, that means maybe they bought the game way back when it first came out, played for a week or two, and then moved on, and now they're back because, you know, it's free to play and player bases up, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And, of course, all the changes that have taken place. But on the same hand, it's like, holy cow, man. Some of these matches that I'm getting into, I'm like, okay, founder, 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 founder. This should be all right. You know, matched up against some other founders. Mm-hmm. Come to find out, they've got a perfect comp going, five-man team, and it's just a bad, 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 bad match. Ugh, it just puts you in such a, such a sour mood. I've been having the same thing happen, and it's just they're not always bad players, but they're always bad at the objectives of the match. Mm-hmm. Hey, look, it's a capture match. I'm the only one capping any points. Everyone else is just running around, fighting in the middle, or like I told you, I was at Ernest up on Charlie on Snowblind, so you can see you know, the middle of the lanes. You know if people are going left and right, and I never saw them. I don't know where they were, if they were just standing behind you know, the walls there, taunting or doing a dance or like talking to each other in chat, because they would move out of the base because they didn't get AFK'd, but I... I don't know what they were doing. It frustrates me because, like you said, seeing the founder title doesn't mean you're a pro player, but if you have your founder title on to a new player, it'll be like, all right, this guy knows what he's doing, but they don't. They just ignore mission objectives or, hey, it's a meltdown. All four of us are going to go to one lane and leave this random guy, me, to hold the other lane completely by himself against, again, three people. You see them killing me. Nobody even comes over. What's going on? I don't understand. And even then it'd be okay if they were maybe getting tons of points for their team. But they weren't, no. But they weren't. The two over there were stopping the the four over there. Uh And it's like, I don't understand what's happening right now. We only actually started (laughs) getting into a lead when I just went, oh, F it. I'll just hang out with these guys and be a five-man team. Oh, now we're clearing waves and actually starting to catch up on points. But by then it was too late. So the problem comes in that it seems like there's a lot of people who still don't know how to play these maps. They're still coming in either A, completely clueless, or B, just... You know, fighting enemy players and hoping that's what happens, hoping that you win from that, I guess. Right. And, Gear, you know, in Gearbox's defense, they've put out several, like, hey, hey, here's how you play these PvP maps. Mm-hmm. Here's how you do this. And, of course, they give you the little hints at the beginning of every match, etc. But it's like, what else can you do? How, I mean, how else do you show the other players what they're supposed to be doing? Because I feel like an intelligent person would have picked up by now, you know, like what you do. Yeah. We've said it before when people would say, yeah, we need a training mode for incursion or this or that. And you and I, we jumped in it for the first time ever, played it, listened to Nova's instructions right at the beginning. 
and totally picked it up. I don't know what more you can do. There's that. There's the splash screen, which displays all the instructions even before you get into the game. And now they've had write-ups, you know, forever. They've been tweeting them out pretty much nonstop this week. Hey, here's what multiplayer is. Here's how to play all these modes. Here's this, here's that, and the other thing. I would hate to have them waste, I shouldn't say waste, but spend a lot of time or resources on, okay, here's your capture tutorial, here's your face-off tutorial, here's your meltdown tutorial. I think even if they did that, people would be like, I've been playing captures, and I go 16-0 every time, even though the rest of my team screws it up and loses. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to play that. Not on me. You need to, because (laughs) it is on you. Exactly. And, of course, we're not talking about new players. Right, right. So, you know, we're not knocking new players. Obviously, it takes a little time to figure things out. But we're talking about, like like we're saying, the individuals with the founder insignia, you know, you, it's just unfortunate because I'm like, well, I expect you to know how to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, you bought the game at some point before it went free to play, so you must have played a couple rounds or matches at some point yeah. in the last year. And I'm like, but a lot of them are coming in and just clueless. Before it becomes too big a deal, maybe, maybe next week, maybe the week after, it's going to start to calm down. We'll see people... You know, rocking to the points on capture, mm-hmm. helping to get the minions in and the meltdown, and of course getting to the sentry bot. You know, making a good comp that can actually get to the sentry bot and the incursion <laughs> and uh-huh. and destroy him. You know, so maybe we'll see that happen in the next week or two. I'm really hoping so because right now it's pretty rough around the edges, at least on the PS4 anyway. Mm-hmm. It's tough to play because man, we're just in matches. Just I don't even know what's happening with the teammates most of the time. Mm. <laughs> So we did mention it just a second ago. Gearbox has put out, I think just recently today, there was a tweet all about how to play each multiplayer mode. And inside that were some details on Supercharge. So Supercharge is finally coming June 22nd, 2017. That's right, boys and girls. So next week, we're going to be getting a new 3v3 mode, PvP, obviously, that revolves around the meltdown mechanic. So apparently Minrek super happy about the way things have been going, eating up all the different robots, that he wanted to come in and play in this new mode. The purpose of this game is obviously three of you are going to go up against three other individuals and you want to get your minions into the grinder and score points. But on top of that, you're going to want to get to the middle of that map because in the middle is going to be a supercharge pad. And if you can control that supercharge pad, you're going to get a... You're going to get a shepherd bot to walk around with your minions to give them an overshield, to give them, you know, a little bit more damage and defense. It makes me wonder if the default minion waves are just going to be, you know, gun bots and blade bots. But yeah, once you control that pad, you'll get a shepherd bot in there with your minion wave. And also in the middle, they were saying, is an MX bot buildable. So if you build that up, he's going to walk over to your wave and just like in Meltdown, score a bunch of extra points for you guys. So really important to keep that supercharge pad, to capture that. So actually, Mr. Matt, it says by having that supercharge pad, you get an additional shepherd bot. Oh, that's right. See, I missed that the first time. So maybe you're rolling with double ships. And oh, what would be really awesome is if their timers were slightly off. Like, here's your supercharged shepherd. So once the first one pops his overshield, then the other one waits like, you know, five, ten seconds. Then he pops. That would be like guaranteed points, which would be a good idea because then you have to get that supercharged pad. You really want it. Otherwise, you're basically SOL, Mm. which means... It's going to be a crazy balance with a 3v3 oh, yeah. trying to control the pad, but also thinking should you maybe have someone slipping over there trying to get rid of minions and stuff so that way they're not getting the points, yeah. or do you want to focus strictly on that pad? So pad or nothing, or divert your attention. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be interesting. And also this map apparently wants you to get your equipment up, your abilities up, etc., because they said they've increased the shard rates uh, across the board, the clusters, the spawn cluster times, mm-hmm. uh, the barrels, etc. So For the very first time, there's going to be explosive shard barrels in a PvP mode. Which is going to be awesome. We were talking about it earlier. Oh, man, I'm, I'm going to be so excited to shoot that barrel, and then it's going to take too long, and Montana's going to get out of the way, and he's just going to kill me instead of being slick and blowing him up with a barrel. But hey, you know, a man can dream, a man can try. Well, maybe it'll just happen by accident, and then you'll totally say you did it on purpose. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll lay down a giant AOE, blow up a bunch of barrels. Yeah, I did it. I'm the best. Dad, look, look at that skill dead. shot, baby. You were blinded. How did you even know? Uh, uh you know. Because I know the layout of this map like the back of my hand. 
That's sure. right. And speaking of maps, we're not entirely sure if they're going to be entirely new maps, repurposed meltdown maps, but the one piece of heads up, super sneaky Reddit info, plus a couple friends of the show shared it with us too. There was a splash screen for that ziggurat map. We talked about this quite a few episodes ago now, and obviously there's no ziggurat map in the game now. So like we said, maybe new maps, maybe repurposed old maps with this new map thrown in. Who knows? I'm I'm hoping it's new maps, because new maps are always good. Heck yeah. Well, on top of that, if you look at the picture, like I was telling you earlier here, it's got a map that doesn't look like any Meltdown that I've been in, but it could be a spot I've just never seen. But it doesn't look like any particular Meltdown map I've been in recently, so perhaps that's another clue that there's a new map coming. I'm going to be cautiously optimistic that there's going to be new maps in this one. Here's the hoping. Either way... It comes out, once again, June 22nd, which is next week. I'm super stoked. Hopefully, like I said, by then a lot of people are going to be kind of grinding their teeth in the game, getting more on board with how to play and do things. And we'll be able to see some better matchups and get back to the way it was, you know, in the in the good old days where everybody was matched up pretty, pretty fairly and we were on there going toe-to-toe and getting some great matches out of it. <laughs> you know, those kind of matches where even if you lost, you still felt good because it was a... Just a it was good at least match, close. you know, yeah. close. You were going back and forth. No, no lopsided crazy sauce. Speaking of official Gearbox updates and word directly from them, let's roll into the hot fixes that they dropped real quick. Instead of having a battle plan, they've called this a hot fix update. First off, they did announce this week's new rotation of characters. We've got Ombra, Toby, Thorn, Oscar, Mike, Montana, and Phoebe. So, any any thoughts on that one? I th- I feel like this is somewhat of a weaker composition than there was last week. I don't know. I'd have to disagree because Amber's a strong healer. She can be. Yeah, if you put her the right spec in, obviously. I was gonna say, and she becomes a really good healer once you get that mutation where you can feed the sunspots, mm-hmm. but you don't get that as your first mutation or I think even your second mutation. It's a while before you get that. I'm only concerned that people will be like, all right, I put my sunspot out. Get around it, guys. Oh, it's gone because everyone got around it and it sucked out all the healing. If you spec right, you can still keep putting sunspots up like nobody's business. So even if you don't have the mutation where you can feed it, you can just keep popping sunspots, popping sunspots. That's true, that's true. So she's still a decent healer even without that mutation, although I'll give you the credit definitely where if you have that mutation, it makes healing way easier. You can just pump them straight up to full. Yeah. Toby's a wreck, you know. <laughs> I I can't play Toby to save my life, so... I feel like both Ombra, in, in a sense... And Toby are pretty complex characters for a free rotation. I feel like one or the other would be fine, but having them both in there seems like a little bit much to me. I am a huge fan of Ombra. I'm not a big fan of Toby, like we've said. I feel like Toby's just a mess, and I don't know how to play him. But maybe it's just me. Hey, Randy Pitchford loves Toby. That's true. I saw him tweet out earlier today. He said, Toby! So maybe Randy Pitchford can throw some tips out on Toby. But uh, Thorn's an easy one. People love bow and arrow characters. And she's not that complicated to play. Yeah, she's a pretty decent sniper to play. Yeah, throw blights out, jump around a lot, make some nice snipe shots, exactly. Oscar Mike is the most generic go-to character you can possibly have. Yeah. So he's just a gimme. And then you got Phoebe. Oh, God, Phoebe. Just there you a go. beautiful Phoebe. You know, if you don't like her, God, you must not like life. I mean, because she's so much fun. Just diving in, do a ton of damage, dive back out, heal up, come back. Just a lot of fun. And you can pretty much get it toe-to-toe with any character for the most part and have a shot, Mm -hmm. especially once you've got your uh, helix built up. Before that, obviously, but this goes with almost any character. You need to be careful, pick your battles, try to go in with 2v1s, don't try to go 1v1s, try to get them unsuspecting, etc. Just play cautiously for a little bit until you've got yourself pumped up, and then she can go wreck house. Again, Montana, pretty good kind of intro tank. He's got that dash that'll let you get out of dodge if you do need a lot of healing, like an Ombra can't sustain you very well. You can still spin around, jump out of dodge, slow all your enemies with Hailstorm, then dash right back out. So he's a good intro pick. They also released the free character rotation for next week, which is going to be Kid Ultra, Kelvin, Arendi, 
Oscar Mike, Wrath, and Reyna. Now, my first impressions on this one were, I like that they put Reyna and Kid Ultra in there, because you have two kind of supporty sort of healers, but not entirely full healers, like Amiko. So I think it's good that they can choose from two of them, and if you put them both together, then you've got really powerful healing, especially if you build either one of them correctly. Well, not only did they do that, but they added Wrath, who's a self-healer. Yeah, that's true. So yeah. it's a pretty good uh, setup they got going there with that one. And of course, Kelvin is the dream you know, tank, the guy I wish I could play and will never be able to play, but... Uh, He's another good one because he's an Eldred, and if Reyna's putting an overshield on him, now he's got an overshield, he's got his self-shield when he activates his abilities, plus he's got super high HP anyway. So it's another good synergistic team they got here. Uh-huh. I think they they all work well together. And then you got your ranged Arendi and Oscar Mike. Arendi can get all over the freaking place and nobody's business. Oscar Mike obviously has... A lot of potential for damage at ranged or mid-range. Yeah, I think it's a good one. Yeah. Good mesh-up. And, of course, as long as the Wrath stays by Kelvin, he can just wreak havoc all over the place, and Kelvin can soak up the damage, and away you go. Also, in addition to that, they said that new bundles are going to be in the store for each character rotation. And then, the big news, dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, they're bringing in an all-operations queue. And, man, I wonder where they got the idea for an all-operations queue. Hmm. Did mm. Steve tell you that, perchance? Oh, Steve. Steve. Friend of the show, Steve Cadwallader. As you guys know, if you've been listening to the show Die Hard, a couple weeks ago, Steve said, hey, do you think they'll ever add an all-operations queue so you can queue up for just a whole bunch of ops all at once? Yes, we do think they will because they're going to do it right now, Steve. Look oh, at you. Your man. wish came true. And, of course, to participate in this, you have to own all of the ops missions. Yep. So if you don't, get them. Because they're freaking good. I would argue that they are the coolest part of all the DLCs they've done in this game. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Those ops missions are a ton of fun. And holy cow, pick them up, get them, get inside this. And I'm excited for this because, you know, I don't mind picking a particular one. But I like this one because now everyone can just hop into it so the queues will be quicker. And you're going to have to pick from three of them, which was like, I was like, oh, that's actually ingenious. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, we were arguing whether it'd be cool just to get one picked randomly. And like Sean had said, you know, another friend of the show, we wouldn't like that. Because what if, you know, Demon Bear's the only thing he needs a skin from? It's just throwing, and it never throws him in the Demon Bear. Now he doesn't want to play at all because, you know, he's just getting tossed in, you know, whatever one every single time. Well, now it's going to have you pick from three. So you've got a pretty decent chance of Demon Bear coming up soon. And then, of course, faster queue times because there's going to be way more people in this. So I think it was a pretty ingenious way to set that up. I'm definitely down for it because, like I said, it'll make those queue times quicker. Also in this hot fix batch, they fixed the kill challenges for people in bot matches. Apparently if you were killing Deandy, Eldrag, Ernest, or Pendles, it wasn't counting towards your challenge rewards. But hey, if you want to be a real boy and step up your game, you shouldn't be playing bot matches anyway. I'm just a grumpy fool. I don't like bot matches. You, you guys all know that. If you like bot matches, hey, great for you. So this is going to help you guys out. God bless, Matt. You had to throw it in there. She didn't like the bot matches. And to wrap it up, we've got voting returns to quick match queue on PC only. That's right. If you're on the PS4 or Xbox One, you are out of luck. But if you're on the PC version, in the quick match queue, you'll be able to vote now what you want to play once again, as it was before they made the change. And Randy Varnell gave a whole big spiel on why they did that. And the reasoning behind it basically was that on PC, they still have very little people going into the uh, versus draft and playing incursion there. So he felt that in general, the people weren't getting what they wanted from the, uh, the game. You know, people want incursion and they're not able to play it because nobody wants to go to the versus draft over there. There's just not a large enough pool of players to be getting in there. So he went ahead and initiated the voting once again in the quick match where everybody seems to be so that people can play incursion matches and really get to know all the different maps and have a lot of fun. And then they're hoping that as time progresses and people are more accustomed to incursion, capture, meltdown, that they can put it back into play and get people back into the versus draft because they'll be like, well, hey, what happened to my incursion? So let's just go to versus draft with our team and play there. I read all the comments, and I would have to agree that I like versus draft for what it is, I don't usually participate in it just because I don't have, you know, to quite quite frank, I just don't feel like putting up with the time frame it is for like me and you playing together to sit there and wait for every team to ban players, go back and forth. Plus, most of the time it's just me and you 
and then three complete random people versus a five-man, which generally still equals us getting our rear ends handed to us. So I prefer just to go to quick match where at least the odds are a little bit better of us having a good time and getting matched up with people of the same skill level. This update does frustrate me because it's not on the consoles. You know, I mostly play quick match anyway, and I have not once had an incursion role. It's always been capture meltdown. I will rarely get a face-off but I have never once gotten an incursion. Before, the only way to play incursion was to go into versus draft, and then, like you said, it's serious business time, put your serious business face on, and get stomped by a five-man team who has their serious business faces on. So I wish they would bring this to consoles at least, you know, for a weekend or two, just because I haven't played an incursion in... I don't even know how long. See, what's going to have to happen is you got to play with Sean, because apparently... I played with Sean the other night, mm. and we did three incursion maps. What the hell, man? I don't know what it is, but I guess some people have all the luck with getting incursion. Others don't. And don't get me wrong. I love capture. Oh, yeah, yeah. The problem is a lot of people on capture don't understand that you're supposed to capture points, so mm. it makes it a little bit difficult. And even on top of that, variety's the spice of life, man. If, exactly. If I'm playing capture nonstop or capture and meltdown nonstop, dude, I want a face-off. I want incursion. And I want it to be in a fun mode where everyone's just in there to have some fun instead of serious competitive incursion. Cause we don't have enough people. I was going to say, if we can wrangle up a five-man team with, you know, Sean, Donut Home, and the Moose Man, then great, because I'll work together with those guys and we'll make a good team and we'll try hard at it. Mm-hmm. But just on my default time, when it's just me or it's just me and you, I don't, I don't want to have to work that hard, just you no, know, being honest. I agree. And I understand Randy, Varnell, and the team, they want to push players into that because they want it to succeed. Mm. Because it is a great mode. Oh, yeah. And it is something people were asking for for a long time, hence why they implemented it in the first place. Mm. But unfortunately, when you're in a one-man, two-man team, it's just rough trying to, you know, if you want your incursion fix, to go into the versus draft because oftentimes you're going up against a five-man team on that other side. It's just the nature of the beast. Sometimes they may play nice and let you feel like you're making progress, but even that feels crappy because then, you you know, if you're decent at the game, you know when people are just handing you a bone, Mm -hmm. and even that feels kind of terrible. And then there's other teams who give you no mercy and no quarter. Oh, yeah. And they stomp you to the ground and throw you into and spawn camp you until the match is over. So both those scenarios, it's like, ah, man, you know, that's no fun. So unless you got a, a five-man group and you guys can coordinate back and forth, unfortunately the incursion versus draft just isn't appealing for the uh, the normal Joe. Yeah, and one one last thought on it before we wrap it up. I understand why they have to have it out there because this is what they're going to be using for any tournaments, any competitive anything. So if it just wasn't there and then you went, oh, hey, tournament, here's how we're going to do versus draft here. Well, I don't know how to do that. I had, haven't had any chance to practice, blah, blah, blah. So... Obviously, it needs to be there. It needs to exist. But just not for me on those nights when we don't have a full five-man team, which is 99% of our nights. So I guess in a nutshell, with all the the crying and explanations, etc. aside, I would say if you're not going to throw the incursion back in its own mode, at least up the uh, percentage rate on incursion. Because you know that's what people do prefer. So I would say give it a slight higher percentage chance than the other two. And so therefore, most people are going to be happy getting that. But I mean... I once again, I do like capture and meltdown, and we especially love face off because we're unstoppable face off monsters. Yeah, that's a given. Uh-huh. But I just had a few Marat rounds lately with you know myself, and yeah. they didn't go so well. Yeah, so. I've I've had that too. I'm gonna be Deandy and be good. What are you guys doing? Why Why do you have 300 masks? Why did you just die and drop? Oh my god. Oh no. But anyways, <laughs> anyway. so yeah, maybe just up the uh, incursion one just a touch above the others. And then maybe that'll solve the problem for now, because like you said, right now on PS4, apparently the, uh, you know, the versus draft is doing pretty good. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it would hurt anything to just up the incursion uh, chance just a bit on quick match. Yep, I agree. So for tonight, Matt, we're gonna end the night talking a little bit about E3 and everything that Gearbox did, announced, talked about while there. Randy did have a couple interviews, conversations, and panels. But it was not what I thought it was going to be. You had said specifically it was going to be a Gearbox speaking panel, and you were wrong. You lied to the people for the 800th time. No. Don't trust an Eric. Never trust an Eric. Listen to me only. When Eric speaks, turn the podcast down. Just just, poof, ignore it. They posted that Gearbox had a panel. (laughs) Instead, it was just Randy Pitchford with some other individuals 
chatting about uh, in-game physics, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And then in the in the process, you know, mentioned a couple things that are going on right now with their games and what's going on. With all that being said, Gearbox didn't actually reveal anything, but Randy did have a couple different interviews and a panel, and he did talk about a couple things. One, and the most important and biggest of them, was that they have a Borderlands movie in the making, signed up with Lionsgate, and that's going down. They said it will be loosely faithful to the series. It's in the same world. Some of the same main plot points will take place. But there's going to be, you know, some differences here and there. Maybe a new character here and there. Maybe a differentation, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of typical anymore with movies. That was announced. And then also, something he apparently wasn't supposed to talk about but did briefly, was that there's a Duke Nukem movie in the talks. Mm-hmm. So they haven't signed with anybody, but he said a, a dominant or a or a respectable uh, group is uh, currently in negotiation with them on doing this. He didn't say much more beyond that, because obviously I guess he wasn't supposed to. So there you go. You possibly have a Duke Nukem movie or some such in the works, and then there for sure so far looks to be a Borderlands movie. So we'll get our thoughts on this. This was one conversation I actually couldn't watch. I know they tweeted out, hey, Randy's going to be on with Jeff Keighley talking about it right now. I would click on the link, and then it wouldn't work on my phone. Like, So I could never watch it. I only found out today that they've got a clip of it up on YouTube, so I'm going to watch it after the show. As far as thoughts on the Borderlands movie, we've kind of talked about that already. I feel like the tone for Borderlands with the dark scenario that it's in isn't going to work really well for... I mean, I don't think this, this wouldn't be a mass audience movie anyway, but I think it wouldn't work well for a mass audience. I think... For both of these properties, it'd be wiser to do like a 60 to 90 minute like Netflix release of a movie. That's what a lot of people have been doing recently anyway is here's a small release for Netflix or Amazon Prime or this or that. You don't have to spend as much money and resources for any kind of a wider release, especially for a niche audience. So thoughts on Borderlands? I'm kind of iffy on what the tone and setting and how that'll all mesh together. As far as Duke Nukem, when I heard it, I was thinking, ah, there's no way. But then I was thinking about it more today, and I was thinking if they do like a short form, like retro 80s style Duke Nukem movie, that would work fantastically. The comparable thing I thought of was, I believe it's Kung Fury on Netflix, Mm -hmm. about some 80s dude who travels through time to fight Hitler, goes back in time to like dinosaurs and Viking ladies, and then Hitler comes into the 80s, and it's all, you know, crazy, over-the-top, ridiculous, neon, lasers, all kinds of goofy stuff. That would work perfectly for Duke. That's the way you got to do it. I was thinking Big Trouble Little China. Yeah, see there, exactly. That's yeah. where I was going with the Duke Nukem thing. I was like, because I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, oh my God, this is not going to work out. Mm-hmm. I said, no, you just got to go over the top, old school, yep. Big Trouble Little China style. Just make it wacky as all hell and just a fun time. I think they're smart over there. I think they're going to do that. Yeah. I would hope that's how they're going to kind of put that into perspective because i don't see any other way to do it another thing you could do is that intentional bad parody style like i don't know if anybody else is familiar with black dynamite that's a movie they'd made just a few years back now that was totally shot like 70s style grainy stuff they would make false bloopers that they would keep in the movie because it was such a quote fingers rough cut you know like you'd hit the guy and oh dude you actually hit me what the and then cut and then they'd show the punch again. If they did something like that with Duke screwing up his lines and then cut, oh, here's the line again. Goofy stuff like that, I think that would definitely work for a Duke movie. While Randy was talking about the Borderlands movie, the Duke Nukem movie, he did say that Duke Nukem is going to be in the Steven Spielberg adaptation of Ready Player One, and he's going to be full-on Duke. He's going to be Super Duke. That's something that I do kind of feel more excited about than the prospect of a full movie about him, because, hey, here's a cameo. Here's this crazy character. He's going to do a crazy thing, and he'll either get booted off screen or, you know, die in some hilarious way, I'm sure. He's like, I'm Duke Nukem. I'm going to ride this rocket ship, and off I go, guys. Woo! It'll be like the perfect mm-hmm. just chunk of duke i was super stoked about that too for the exact same reason i was like okay this will be the perfect fit for people to see duke in all of his ridiculous glory Mm -hmm. do something awesome and just out of the mix and we don't gotta get mired in like how does he fit in is is anybody gonna accept him it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. (laughs) and this would be fit more into the borderlands world because i was thinking a lot about the borderlands one and you know on a previous discussion we had i said mad max fury road that's about as close to freaking borderlands as you can get without going into the realm where i don't think it works right and it has to go farther for borderlands because that's just how those characters are i think the best option is not a movie but a mini series oh yeah there you go so you do like a three-part or a six-part and you'd put it on you know hbo or something like that 
and you do it that way because then you can chunk it off. Then people don't expect this real succinct, you know, beginning, middle, end with the serious bad guy, blah, 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 the typical story. When you get into the miniseries territory, people kind of lighten up and anything goes. And you have more, you know, more room to play with your characters and be as wacky as you want to be, which you need to be for Borderlands. Nobody in that freaking story has any damn sense. Everyone's crazy as hell. Plus, that way it gives you more room to set up the bad guy. Instead mm-hmm. of just going, hey, here's Handsome Jack, he's a bad guy. Look, here's a scene where he blew up a town, that's it. Now you can have him interacting with him over the comms during each episode. You could have him meeting all, you know, all the different wacky characters, have little side characters come in and out as they're mm-hmm. on their journey to do the thing. Yeah, I think that would work a lot. Which leads me into my next point would be, and even beyond a miniseries, just to extend that to a three, like a three-season show. One of those TV series that has a very set amount of seasons. Yeah, yeah. So you're like, this is going to be three seasons. First season is going to be all about Jack, how he came to be. Second season is going to be all about the Volt Hunters getting to where they are and how it all went. And then, of course, obviously, Act 3, the ending, Season 3. Something like that. And then being a TV series, you go full-on crazy. Like uh, there's that new sci-fi series. Oh, yeah, Blood, Blood Drive. Drive. Yeah, yeah. Go in that vein where it's just banana land. Yes. And that way you're just in that the whole time, and everyone accepts that because that's what this is. Mm-hmm. And then you could make Borderlands successful because, oh, my God, you're you're right in your wheelhouse. You got Tiny Tina blowing people up and laughing. Because mm-hmm. how is that going to work any other way? A child blowing people up and thinking it's funny and that's just true. giggling and, yeah. and doing cartwheels. It does not work in any way. <laughs> shape or form unless you make it so from the word go you understand what this whole thing is going to be mm-hmm. and in a movie you just can't do that i don't think yeah i think if you have it stretched out into a mini series or a tv series you can really build that world a lot more and speaking of building worlds randy pitchford was on a big panel discussion with chris hardwick neil degrasse tyson james gunn and i really sorry halo lady i totally forgot what your name was it was uh gosh matt kiki Wolfkill, right yeah that's it that's what it was there we go so yeah they were in a panel together rocking it out and having a conversation and and led to some cool little discussions. That was a pretty good panel, too. I really enjoyed the, the overall discussion of how you build a world and how people will say, oh, that's not realistic or this is not realistic. But if you keep your world's rules consistent, you can break as many real-world rules as you want. Once you establish that this is the tone or the or the setting or the, the rules of the world, then you can do anything you want in there. But you got to do that, I think in a movie, you got to do that right off the bat get that tone in there real quick, especially for something like Tiny Tina in a non-super shocking way. Because I feel like if you start off, ha, 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 I'm a kid, blood fountain because you exploded. Mm-hmm. That'd be like, whoa, hey, modern audience, I'm turned off from that. Honestly, Matt, I have no, I have no idea how they're going to make that work, though, because you're going to fall into a World of Warcraft problem, and that's going to be that only fans of that particular game are going to see the show. Mm-hmm. If they want this to be successful on a broad end, like you're saying, it has to be believable. It has to be accepted by the masses. So Yeah, true. To do that, you have to appease both groups. And to do that, you can't have them be as insane mm-hmm. and loony as they are, period. But if you don't make them who they are, I'm going to go and I'm going to be like, Tiny Tina, oh, she's just your angsty to average teenage girl and her mommy died. and Uh-huh, yeah. And then I'm going to go, oh, blah, mm. and it's over, you know. <laughs> They're going to make Torque some slick-haired guy, and he's like, I'm totally wild, but he's going to be like a half-assed Torque, you know? (laughs) Or people won't understand that that's who Torque is if they keep him real, and they'll be like, that was just some dumb explosion character. Who? And it would make no sense, right? Yeah. So it's it's tough. It is just tough on how that's going to work out, and I don't feel that a two-hour movie is going to be the way to do it Mm. unless you intend to have uh, mini-shows or something leading up to the movie to fill in the gaps, fill in the holes, get expectations adjusted. And not to be super movie podcast here for a minute, but I know Alien Covenant did that. They had a bunch of like prequel stuff on YouTube that you could go and watch, and people said that that really filled in a lot of the holes in the movie. But since they weren't in the movie, anybody who didn't know about those or go actively seek them out was missing all that info. So when stuff happened in the movie, they went, well, who cares? Who is this guy? I don't care. What What is he even doing? Oh, well, if you go read the prequel comic or go watch the prequel videos, blah, 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 you would have known. I shouldn't have to do that. It's got to be all there in the movie. Mm-hmm. But I do want to circle back, go back to, you were talking about Tiny Tina losing her parents. 
That was one thing that Randy Pitchford did talk about. He did indeed, didn't he? More specifically, he was talking about the game, not the movie. Just oh, yeah, yeah, right, right. When he was talking about how people do want Krieg to be Tiny Tina's dad and how there are certain rules in the canon that they have that I don't think we've really seen, but, you know, the behind-the-scenes stuff, how that can't really happen right now, but they're debating kind of breaking their own rules to get that to happen because of how many people want it. I thought that was a really cool discussion. I know James Gunn jumped in on that, too, how he had put in some extra flavor text in the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie that 90% of people wouldn't have known or read or seen. But the geeks would. Yeah, but while he's making the new one, he's like, well... I kind of want to break that that wasn't really officially in there. I mean, it was officially in there, but you know what I'm saying, Mm -hmm. to make this story, but he doesn't want to piss off the fans who hold that stuff as, you know, super canon, super official. So that that was a really cool part of the discussion. I really like that. Well, and of course, it just basically gave away the fact that Krieg and Tiny Tina are in the next Borderlands. Because if you're going to be having a discussion in-house of do we make that, you know, canon or not, who would give a crap if you're not going to have them in the next game? That's true. You know, that I didn't even think of that. I obviously thought, I mean, I obviously thought Tiny Tina was going to be in it because why would you not mm-hmm. have her in it? But I wasn't even thinking about Krieg because that's just player X. All he does is run off into a corner and act like a fool. And never do anything right. Exactly. <laughs> so... To me, I was like, oh, cool. Well, we're going to see Krieg and Tiny Tina in some capacity Mm -hmm. again. Oh, yeah. One of my favorite characters. I'm excited. Mm -hmm. And one more cool thing that I did take away from that stream was they had a question and answer series, and someone was asking about, you know, other ancient civilizations that don't get a lot of play in games or media or movies or anything like that. And I thought Randy Pitchford's answer to that was fantastic. Randy said, if there's something that you want to see, represented or you know depicted in art that doesn't exist right now you should become an artist and make it happen because i mean that's what a bunch of games people have been doing anyway you know i want to make a cool thing about this well i'm gonna learn how to code and learn how to make games and now here it is all kinds of cool indie games i'm sure have come out of that kind of stuff here's a unique experience i have i want to share it with the world i'm going to learn how to do it and then make it happen. And that's the best way to do anything in life. If you want to do it, you just got to put your nose down and freaking figure it out and go to do it. Never trust anybody to help you along the way because nobody does, and next thing you know, the world passes you by. So a little helpful hint. (laughs) So, yeah, that was all for that panel. Obviously, I've just cherry-picked a few cool moments out of there. Definitely recommend that panel to everybody. Go ahead and check it out. I'm sure you can find it on YouTube. They've been putting big chunks of that E3 Coliseum stuff up on YouTube by itself, so I'm sure if you search for Randy Pitchford... E3 2017 panel, it'll pop up, no problem. So, yeah, that was definitely cool. I guess that pretty much wraps it up for E3 as far as Gearbox and Randy Pitchford, unless you got anything else. No, that was uh, pretty much it. Like we said, Gearbox themselves didn't actually make an appearance, except for a few of them were there just checking things out. But uh, Randy Pitchford was the only one who actually had any uh, speaking parts Mm -hmm. at this particular E3. So it looks like we're going to be holding out till PAX West um, to see what Gearbox may be up to. Yeah, seems that way. And pretty much wrapping up the rest of the show here, they did announce the official date for the Battleborn Discord AMA. That's going to be tomorrow as we're recording this, today as it's released, the 16th of June. At what time was it, Eric? That's going to be 4 p.m. Eastern Time to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. So, yeah, if you guys want to, you can jump in on that Discord. Apparently they've got some... Some kind of set questions and then a free-for-all within, you know, certain limits. And then if you miss the Discord, they're going to have notes up on the forum. They usually do a pretty good job of recapping all the questions, all the answers in the AMAs. So if you miss it, if you're coming to it a few days late, make sure you go check that out. But it's definitely a good chance for new players to get in there and ask any questions they have or suggestions. So that way the crew over there can get a hold of them and, you know, who knows, you may see an implementation put in that uh, you suggested or questions answered, obviously. And lastly, we want to go ahead and give a quick shout out that uh, this coming up weekend, apparently, Helix Gamers League is going to be having a Battleborn tournament. So if you're at all interested, make sure you hit up Helix Gamers League and find out the exact times and whatnot and check that out on Twitch and on the other platform they have it hosted on. So, yeah, definitely check that out. And aside from that, uh uh-oh, ding bong. It's time for the mailbag question. This is another old one from our buddy Jozo's at Jozo's on Twitter. He asked quite a while ago, what's the worst exploit that you've seen? And he attached a picture of someone with three Montana and the Demon Bear legendaries, which, if you don't know, those all stack together, so you get added bonuses for having more Demon Bear gear on. And 
I wouldn't so much call that an exploit, but I do understand where he's coming from because it is a little unfair that you can use big stuff like that in PvP. And, you know, I've seen that too where someone will have three legendaries on and the, like, the sub-abilities will all stack together. So it's basically like you have four legendaries on. So I understand where he's coming from that, even though it's, I mean, it's designed to do that. It's it's supposed to be that well, way. Well, that's the whole point. If you have the shards and the capability to have those three things up, yeah. then that's the perks you get. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the gamble you play. Do you get enough shards and be out of the game long enough to get that available? Or are you working on a coordinated team where they know you've got your demon bear gear on, so they're mm-hmm. just going to feed you all the shard clusters, especially exactly. on overgrowth? Hey, all right, we've got the point. Go get your shards, Bill. All right. Now you have three full shard clusters, plus any that are on the ground, plus any from the minion wave. That's why we get our teeth stomped in when we play against five-man, because they can do that kind of stuff. Yeah, they have a strategy in place, which makes them very effective. And, of course, using three legendaries, etc., like that, that's that's a common strategy. Like you just said, have one guy go back, get himself fully buffed up with all of his pieces, and then come back to the front, send the next guy back, do the same thing, while the first dude's up there now wrecking house with three legendaries in play, and then they just... Boom, 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 boom. Next thing you know, it's like a boulder rolling downhill. They become unstoppable. So, no, I don't I don't think that's an exploit, really. That's just a smart strategy if you have the players to do it. And, of course, if you're the opposite team, you can see what's going on, and then that's when you need to send, like, Pendles and someone else back there, Shane and Oryx or whatever, mm-hmm. or Dandy, to stop it and make sure that you're harassing them and stealing the shards enough to where that doesn't become a, uh, a great strategy to use. Yeah. But uh, as for exploits... Uh, to be truthful, goddamn it, Matt. Of course, I don't. I don't can't think of any. Of them. <laughs> well, I, I can think of two things. One's not really an exploit; it's just another strategy. But it is kind of unfair that this character can do it. Uh, speaking again on overgrowth, we've had a couple matches. I think only two or three where there's a coordinated five-man team, and while four of them hold us at bay, being amazing, you know, right at our our choke point before we get out into the middle. Their Benedict will go and fly around, raining rockets down on the back end of the sentry. And while, you know, like I've said, that's a completely legitimate strategy, I feel like even now there's still not quite enough warning to let you know that that's going on, other than, hey, the Benedict's not here, and I see a tiny little exclamation mark above my sentry. I better go check that out. Like I said, it's frustrating because in those instances, generally I can't pull away from the fight because we just get overrun if I do that. But I'll run back, scare away the Benedict. He'll have his cooldown up so he can just fly up into the air and coast away. And then I can't chase him because everyone is already getting run over. So I go back, push him back, Benedict's back because his cooldown came up. Again, it's not really an exploit, but it's as close to one as I feel you can get. Well, while you're saying that, I thought of one that's the same boat. It's not Mm. technically an exploit, but it's close. And this happened to me just the other day, actually. Pendle's LOS is kind of iffy. Yeah. You know, because I was was chasing him with a Phoebe all over the map trying to control him on an incursion map. I would get to the point where I'm right on him. I'm on top of him going, and he'd hit a corner. And it was it's a fraction of a second. It's not even a second. It's a fraction of a second. And, of course, he's invisible. And I just don't agree with that, like a fraction of a second. I'm talking, mm-hmm. God, it's like a point two to three second period, and he's able to go invisible, and then I've got to try to locate him all over again. Mm-hmm. So that's about as close as to, as close to an exploit as I can find that I've encountered, at least in recent memory. I feel like, I mean, as much as I love playing pendles and being invisible all the time and being amazing, it could be like over the course of one second where he kind of fades into invisibility versus just snap and he's gone. Yeah. yeah. And I wish it was that way because it's rough. It's just mm-hmm. rough trying to control a pendles unless you're another pendles when it comes to that scenario. Mm-hmm. And then he's able to just stay in the back and just be a complete hindrance. I mean, yeah. just ugh, terrifyingly effective and becomes very much not fun. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, well, I need to switch to a pendles. But, oh, wait, you can't switch your characters. Yeah. So you're just SOL. This isn't officially an exploit either, but... Our sentries are the worst sentries that there could ever be. I mean, obviously, I haven't played an incursion lately, but they're they're smarter now. Holy shit! They're a little bit smarter. Well, oh yeah. Well, okay. For the first like year of Battleborn, the sentries have been dumb as a box of rocks. Probably even dumber than that. So if you're facing us, you would run up and hit our sentries, and he would just go, "Ooh, 
ah, I'm doing a little dance. I'm not shooting anybody. Uh, uh, uh. So you would exploit <laughs> our bad luck with sentries. That's the worst exploit I've ever seen. Because you guys somehow just blind, just targeting sensors. He loses his mind. Our turrets aren't even shooting at anybody. Like I don't even. I, I don't know. I don't know how you do it, but you guys freaking do it all the time. Well, you know, I agree with that. Year one was rough with that, and I would consider that a damn exploit. <laughs> but I will say, the matches I've been playing these last few days, the uh, they really did help that sentry bot out. Awesome. He is definitely not as ignorant as he was in the past. You go, you go anywhere near him, and he does prioritize damage. So. If the bots are hitting him, he'll be hitting them. But as soon as he sees you start taking, you know, hitting him with damage, mm-hmm. he switches and he goes, "Oh no, we gotta get rid of this Battleborn." Nice. Well, hopefully someday I'll be able to play an incursion again and see that fun for myself. Well, here's to hoping. <laughs> so yeah, if you guys have any other questions for us, any comments, any concerns, or if you just want to say hi, hey, the mailbag's empty. It's wide open right now. So email us at info at thirdshift.me. Tweet at us at thirdshiftme, and find us on Facebook under Third Shift. Fill up my mailbag, guys. So speaking of filling up that mailbag, how about you fill up our hearts and give us some love on our Patreon, guys and gals. We uh, we do have one set up, and we use it as a tip jar. If you like what you hear for that episode, hey, go throw us a buck. Go throw us five bucks, ten bucks, whatever bucks you can spare would be more than helpful for us. Uh, everything we get will be used to help us and help the show out. And make it better, improved, etc., etc. And if you can't give any cash, we understand because money's money. That shit's for real. You know, let's be real about it. It's for real. That's right. We do appreciate all our current patrons, and we appreciate all of our listeners. You know, just in general, anybody who's been listening since the beginning or just picked it up, we thank you so much. And as we always say, you know, we see those, we see those views, we see the 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 tips, we see all the mailbag questions. And that just keeps us going. It keeps us motivated, as all the podcasts always say, because it's actually true. Without you guys listening and paying attention and caring, we wouldn't exist because what the hell would we be doing except talking at a blank wall? So That's right. <laughs> so we appreciate it very much, and we encourage you guys to drop us mail, uh, give us feedback, throw a tip our way if you want to. If you don't, we still love you. All that good stuff. Yep, and as always, this podcast drops every Friday, so we'll be back in your ear holes on the 23rd of June for our very next episode, and you can find that podcast on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Podbean. I keep promising I'm going to upload to YouTube as well. Sorry, sorry, YouTube guys. I might actually do it this time, except I say that every time, and I don't do it. So, hey, if you want to see us on YouTube, drop us a line, you know, email, tweet, Facebook. Send us a YouTube message. I'll probably see that somehow, right? Maybe? No? Maybe we'll restructure YouTube in the future. You know, maybe, maybe like I said, we'll get some ideas going. So speaking of all that, reviews, iTunes reviews, all the other reviews, we've said it a billion times. Without those reviews, we're going to stay hidden in the dark, dark, dark garbage pile that is all the podcasts in the world. <laughs> Do you want Matt and Eric to be covered in trash in the bottom of that garbage pile? smelling so bad i don't think you do at least i hope you don't i mean we've got like 60 plus episodes now don't put us in there with the guy who released two podcasts and then just fell off the face of the earth come on guys and still has 14 five-star reviews (laughs) we gotta get above that (laughs) so i'm encouraging you out there don't let us live in garbage Go out there and review us, even if it's not a great review. No, it's got to be five stars. Give us the five stars. Wait, here's what you do. Give us the five stars, and then you can complain about us all you want. This there show's terrible. Both of these guys are morons, but Give us five, the five stars. stars, then criticize us. That's fine. Yes, perfect. But seriously, get out there. Throw one our way. It helps get us into the world of the living and then that gets us more listeners, that gets us more motivated, and then we're just jazzed up and hyped up and think we're so cool and awesome, and then our egos get big, and who knows where we go from there. It's a beautiful thing. That's right. So with that, I don't think there's anything left to say, but don't forget to save. Shut up and sit down.